Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Does anybody remember a few years ago, I don't know, maybe a decade or so ago, Britain's Got Talent, when Susan Boyle, anybody remember Susan Boyle when she went out on the stage? Yeah, Susan Boyle. Remember how that whole went down? Like she's, she comes out on the stage for her audition in front of the judges and she's, she just doesn't look like a superstar. Doesn't, she's not talking like a superstar. She's not interacting with like a superstar. And everyone in the crowd, the judges, everyone's just like, like zooming in on everyone. And they're, they're all laughing at her. They're all laughing at her. They're thinking like, this is, this is going to be something. So anyway, the music starts, right? The music starts, and it's from Les Mis. It's the song, I Dreamed a Dream. And she starts singing, and it is heavenly. It is unbelievably beautiful. It takes everyone's breath away. Immediate standing ovation. People are just shocked. They couldn't believe what they're hearing. It was so glorious. It was so powerful. That was an image that came to my mind as I was praying through that first reading again for today. That uh, just that idea. So, what is the what is what do we hear in that first reading? This: Do not judge from his appearance or from his lofty stature. This is Samuel speaking, right? Evaluating all of Jesse's sons, all the ones we think look like they could be kings. Do not judge from his appearance or from his lofty stature, because I have rejected him. Not as man sees does God see, because man sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. The Lord looks into the heart. There's a discrepancy between how we see external realities and draw conclusions and judgments versus what the Lord sees. The Lord sees things very differently than how we see things, and he evaluates things very differently than how we evaluate them, which is really good. Right? You have this pattern through Scripture. The mighty are cast down from their thrones. The lowly get lifted up. Think of Mary's Magnificat. The poor are blessed. The rich are condemned. The meek inherit the earth. Right? There's this inversion. Flannery O'Connor, who is one of the greatest 20th century fiction writers, she wrote uh, this, this intense story called A Good Man is Hard to Find. And in that story, there's a character named the Misfit who in a rage ends up saying something along the lines of, Jesus, he's thrown everything off balance. He's flipped everything upside down. He's turned everything. He's thrown everything off balance. Here's the point. If you or I, or, or any of us, if we were in charge of, like, writing, directing, casting the story of salvation... Like, if we were in charge of it, it would, it would have looked very different. Like, the cast of characters would have looked very different. They would have been a lot more impressive, I would imagine, that their, their spiritual, their moral fiber would be much greater, right? Like, I, I wouldn't have chosen, I probably wouldn't have chosen what's weak in the world to shame the wise. I don't think probably any of us probably would have. I don't think many of us would. And yet, over and over again, this pattern... This, like, this choosing David pattern, choosing the, like, the unlikeliest, like, that pattern shows up over and over and over again throughout the course of salvation history. It's the solution that the Lord settles upon and utilizes more than anything else, right? Think about this. Go back to the beginning of Genesis. I need someone to be the great patriarch of my people, 
a man willing to up and move and be the father of a multitude. How about Abram, this 90-year-old guy who doesn't have any kids? Perfect. We'll use that guy, right? Or how about, I need someone to be my spokesman, eloquent, powerful, to lead the Jews out of Egypt into freedom. How about the former crown prince of Egypt who has a speech impediment and who's a murderer? That guy will do, right? Moses. We're going to pick Moses. Uh, I need someone to be the king of my people, a mighty ruler, a warrior, someone powerful, impressive, commanding. How about that little kid uh, who's not old enough to wield a sword who's a shepherd kid in the field? Perfect. Get David, right? Or I need someone to be the mother of my son. How about that virgin, Mary? That makes sense, right? This is what the Lord does. This is what he does. Or I need someone to become the great apostle to the Gentiles. How about uh, Saul of Tarsus, the the would-be successor of Gamaliel, the high priest who has nothing to do with Gentiles? Perfect. Perfect. Pick him. Right? It, here's the thing. It's not, just, it's not just people either that the Lord does this with. This principle, it applies to like, cultural situations. It applies to our historical moments. Like, like how often throughout history we evaluate things and say, this seems calamitous. Where, where we're at. This seems calamitous. This seems like it's going to destroy the church. This seems like this is the end. Right? This seems like all is lost. Uh, uh, that's not quite how I see it, says the Lord. That's not exactly how I see it. Why? Because the central mystery of our faith, the central mystery is the Paschal mystery. The central mystery is the Paschal mystery. And what is the Paschal mystery? That what appeared most calamitous, what appeared most unlikely, the craziest thing that happened, that he let happen, is the beginning of the great undoing. Right? This was not the unforeseen conclusion to a life that was cut down. This was the point of why he came. This was the pattern. This is the prototype. This is what he does. This is what he does. Here's the thing, right? We judge ourselves. We judge other people. We judge our cultural situations, where we are, what's happening in the church. We, all, we judge all of this from the external appearance. We look at the external appearance and we draw the conclusions, oh, this, this can't be good. Or this has got to be the way that things have to go. And again, the Lord sees and he judges things differently. So what do we do with that? It's an invitation into trust. It's always the same. It's always the same. It's an invitation to trust. To trust that the Lord is using you in ways that you cannot fathom. To trust that the Lord is ordering and orchestrating history and providence in a way that you can't fathom. To trust that when things seem darkest, when things seem bleakest, just give it three days. Give it three days. That's never how the story ends. Amen.